0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1.
1: Some councils are auditing schools and urging a ban on the terms boy and girl.
0: For those who are in
2: an open or
3: polyamorous relationship, your relationships are holy. A gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman.
0: We don't want to just win the argument about sexuality. We want to use this as a gospel opportunity. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And all of God's people said, boo, hiss,
3: maybe not so fast. This is Wretched Radio on A Witness Wednesday, going to take you to a rather mm, frowned upon way of greeting and meeting people with the gospel. And that is by doing open air preaching. Seems to have fallen out of favor. That's actually not true. It's never been in favor. Honestly, if you take a look at the Bible beginning in the Old Testament, assuming, of course, you haven't unhitched it, you will see open-air preaching was greeted with boos and hisses. Why? Because people in the marketplace were confronted by a prophet who was revealing their sin and their need for repentance. And that is what good open-air preaching should do. When you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. Somebody will be offended, but that shouldn't keep us from doing it. And I would like to set before you as a demonstration, open air preaching doesn't need to be nasty. It doesn't need to be snarky and, hey, you, you're going to hell. Hey, you, pornographer. It doesn't need, to. no, it shouldn't be that. You listen and be the judge. This is open air preaching at the University of Georgia. I hope a demonstration that open air preaching can be an effective way of reaching people with the gospel who would never darken the doorstep of a church. And it doesn't have to be ugly. You're up for it? All right, you're a brave young man. You're going to be a hoot, aren't you? Oh, yeah. All righty. What's your name, young man? Drew.
2: Drew, where are you from? Milton, Georgia.
3: It's a lovely place. Milton High School? Yes. Did you graduate from there? I did. Play any athletics there? Uh, I did. Did you? What'd you play? Cross country. And how'd you do?
2: Pretty decent, I would say.
3: I got a non-trivia question for me. Why in the world do you just run like crazy all over the place just to end up in the same spot? What is it about that that is like so appealing? Losing weight. Losing weight. All right, here we go. Name the shortest complete sentence in the English language. The shortest complete sentence. In the English language. Have you got it? I am. Boom. Oh. Well done.
2: Okay. How'd you know that? I didn't. That was the guess.
3: (laughs) Well, that's really good. Okay, because I is the Uh, subject subject. and the M is a (laughs) B verb. That's (laughs) it. All right, here you go. Question number two. This one's easy. Who lives longer, men or women? Women. You're correct, sir. Why do you suppose that is? They're smarter? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. no. All right. This is going to be a little bit trickier. All right? People die on the roads a lot. Yeah. All right? Now, listen carefully. What is the number one thing that kills people when they get into an accident? What is the thing that kills the most people when they get into an accident? Their phones? You know, that's. A, I'll, I'm just going to say you didn't say that, so you can try again. I, I, it's a tricky question, all right?
2: Yeah.
3: Okay, because their phones don't kill them. They're maybe distracted by their phones.
2: Uh, yeah. But awesome. they
3: don't, you know, the phone doesn't, like, beat them oh, to like, death. like what
2: physically kills what
3: them? What physically kills them. So you might the, say something like the, an airbag. Well, okay, no. Glass. <gasps> no. Uh, I'm sure that's happened, but that's not the number one thing. Do you know what it is? No. Trees. Seriously? Yeah, people run into trees. (laughs) They drive off the road, they hit a tree, and that's what typically kills them. Oh. Okay, can I ask you a philosophical question? Why not? Because you're you're a nice young man. Thank you for (laughs) stepping up here. I
2: appreciate it. Why do you think people die, Drew? They just, like, run out of energy, run out of, like, their body just can't function anymore. Right. But why does that happen?
3: Why do we see entropy in human beings? Um... A wearing down of the body. Why do you suppose?
2: Because we have to exert ourselves to survive. Like you can't just sit in your house all day and expect to live. Like you have to go up, get money, make food.
3: So we just run out of energy.
2: Kind of. Yeah, but you get old
3: and, you know, your bones get brittle and then you fall and and break break a hip, fetch pneumonia and die. So why ultimately, philosophically, do people die? What would be your philosophical answer?
2: Oh, this is getting deep. Yes, it is.
3: (laughs) I'm just going to push this to see how long you keep smiling because you're a very pleasant fellow. So thanks for hanging in there. All right. So why do people die? You tell me. All right. (laughs) I will tell you what I think. All right. Do you have any sort of um, religious background? My
2: dad's Catholic.
3: Dad's Catholic. Your mom is what? Honestly, I don't really know. Really?
2: Yeah. All right. And you are a what? Don't know yet.
3: You're trying to figure
2: it out. Yes. Are you making an effort to figure it out, or is it just kind of going to happen when it happens? Somewhat. Like, um, there's some. Like, I've been invited to some Bible study groups. That I'll go sometimes, just to like see how it is. And then I also right. talk to people who don't believe in religion at all. You know, right? Just feeling it out.
3: So tell me, Drew, what do you think is the number one reason to not believe in God? Number one reason? Science. Science. All right. Which part of science has persuaded you there is no God?
2: There's not just this big guy that's controlling everything, you know, like up above, like they're physically, there's just no one that can actually. How do you know that? that? I don't know.
3: Fair enough. (laughs) All right. So let's see if we can reason together. I think I can demonstrate to you that it is reasonable to conclude a God exists. Now I didn't say which one, but a God, Mm -hmm. right? I'm standing on a stage. How did this stage get here?
2: Men and women who built it. Built it,
3: It, right. They had some sort of blueprint. They got all the equipment put together, all the tools, all the products, Mm -hmm. built it. Same thing with any of these big, beautiful buildings here. Okay? They didn't just happen. To me, it is irrefutable proof that there is a designer because you have a designed universe. Mm -hmm. Because this stuff can't happen by itself. Right. And furthermore, if we believe that nothing became something that's a bit of a problem that nothing which is like what rocks dream of nothing became something and then it got all organized that to me is conclusive proof that a god exists would you agree with my proof seems pretty reasonable it does Mm -hmm. i think it's really obvious in fact i think the most obvious thing in the world is to conclude god exists that's the most obvious thing there is Because, you know, your hands, and you've got, like, millions of light-sensitive cells behind your eyeballs right now. And if any one of those weren't there, or your retina disappeared, or your iris didn't exist while you were evolving, there would be no purpose for the eye. It's something called irreducible complexity. You're so complex, if we took out body parts, you wouldn't actually function right. They all had to come together at the same time. And they all had to be put into place with a purpose and a reason for existing. So that is why I conclude... There's got to be a God. Are we on the same page? Now, here's the question. Who is that God? Good question. It is a good question, right? All right, let's see if we can reason together again. All right, Drew? So tell me, what can we conclude? What attributes would a God possess who created
2: a really powerful universe? They would be able to, you know, like control everything. It's got to be powerful. I mean, this is, yeah.
3: this is like a lot of stuff, and there's millions of galaxies, and they're monstrously big. All right, so we, we concluded that this God is powerful. All right, you take a look at the trees and the flora and the fauna. Take a look at human beings and the way that we're designed. What could we conclude from beauty and the artistry of the planet and the intricate design of human beings about this God? That
2: they're definitely
3: powerful. Um, definitely powerful. Yeah. And... They create everything for a reason. Created everything for a reason. And he's got to be pretty creative. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty clever stuff that's going on. Okay, so very intelligent. So powerful and intelligent. This one's going to get a little trickier. Do you believe that it is always wrong to beat up small children
2: to death? Uh, I guess there c- could be, like, a little bit if they, like, attacked you. Something like self-defense. I I get that. But I'm
3: talking about the morality of the issue. morality?
2: No, it's not moral. Okay. Why can you make that statement? Because, like, it's just, you know, it's not the right thing. You don't just, like, go to a defenseless little kid and say, hey, you know, I want to beat you up. I think we'd agree together.
3: (laughs) No matter who stepped up to this microphone, besides you, and you're thinking you wish it had been somebody else right now. (laughs) Right? All right. You're probably, no matter who it is, they would say beating up a small child is wrong. It is objectively wrong. What can we conclude about the creator that there are certain things that we just know are abhorrent? We can conclude he is... Moral? Yes, sir. Morality. All right. Why does two plus two always equal four? Math. But why does it always equal four?
2: There's, there's got to be a constant, things, yeah.
3: right? There's got to be a constant. If we study science, we go into a laboratory and we do a bunch of test tubes and we, put, we do experiments and we do them over and over again, expecting the same outcome. If the world is random, orderless, happened all by itself, we came from stardust, then why is it that scientific experiments have
2: consistent outcomes, Because of the constants. There is a constant.
3: There's got to be something that's a constant. Going to put the brakes on right there. Did I perhaps, perhaps encourage you to rethink your position on open air preaching, that it's not something that has to be nasty and snarky, but it can be something that is thought provoking and peaceable? We'll continue uh, trying to persuade you next on Wretched Radio. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men
2: attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God.
3: The Masters Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts. (laughs) You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine. For biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel, would you please consider supporting the Master's Academy International? Adopt a Seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor.
4: Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org store. All of the resources that you'll find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at Wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page. There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Confession, normally
3: numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared Bible.
0: Know your church fathers. Cyprian was a third century theologian from Carthage, North Africa, where he served as bishop until he was beheaded under Emperor Valerian. Cyprian authored a book called On the Unity of the Church, stressing the unity of the universal church as well as the importance and authority of the local church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Does not, I repeat,
3: it does not have to be ugly. This is Wretched Radio on a Witness Wednesday taking you out to the University of Georgia. An open-air encounter with a young man named Drew from Milton, Georgia, horsey country, lovely part of the Atlanta suburbs, who is trying to figure out, God, the afterlife. I was able to engage him because I did something that has fallen out of favor these days, and that is open-air preaching. And sometimes I wish some open-air preachers, frankly, would fall out of favor and would just fall off of the soapbox and not return to it because it's so ugly. And it's so nasty and aggressive. It does not have to be that way to attract a crowd. You can be nice. You can be kind. You can be loving. You just, you just need to be interesting and pray like nobody's business that God will gather a crowd. Let's continue my conversation with Drew in hopes that maybe, just maybe, you'll give a second thought to open-air preaching. So here's what we've concluded together, all right? This is going to give you plenty to think about today, Drew. You think, there's a, you think there's a God because there's a universe. He's powerful. He's intelligent. He's moral. He's constant. Now, based on those four things, and there are more, but those four things, who do you think that God is? Oh, I couldn't tell you. All right. What would be your guess? Right now, where you're at today in your, your life, trying to figure out stuff, which is very cool that you are. Who do you think this
2: god might be? A person. <laughs> a person? Yeah. All right. Like on the planet? No, like Oprah Winfrey? No, 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 no. A spirit, maybe? Uh,
3: a spirit? All right. What do you think this god's name is? Is it the god of Islam? Is it one of the divine beings in Hinduism? Is it the
2: Christian deity? The Jewish god? Doesn't have to be specific, I guess.
3: All right. All right, let me see if we can get to the bottom of this, and I'll let you go, and I'm going to give you two gift certificates because you've been so cool. All right? All right. Thank you. These are are going to get a little trickier for you. All right. Drew, would you consider yourself to be a good person? I try to be. All right. I'm going to test you on that. Oh, no. (laughs) We, We won't make this ugly for you. How many lies do you think you've told in your entire life? A lot. A lot of lies. All right. So if I told a lot of lies, what would you call me? A liar. Yes, sir. All right. How many things have you stolen in your life? I'm not not talking about big things or robbing a bank, just money from your parents' coin drawer or something from your siblings. Have you stolen anything? I have stolen stuff, but not a lot. Not a lot, but you don't need to steal a lot to be considered a thief, Right. right? Just one thing and you've crossed the line and you're now a thief. All right. What about honoring your father and mother? Did you always obey and behave exactly the way that you should? Definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, me, me too. We're, we're very similar in this regard. How's about murder? Have you ever murdered anybody? No. All right. Have you ever been angry with somebody? Yes. All right. Because that's akin to murder because it's the same attitude. It's the attitude that says, I don't want you on the planet. I want you out of here. All right. So we've just concluded, Drew, that... You like I am a liar, a thief, yep. a very naughty child. Yes, I am. Right, and <laughs> and if you will, a murderer at heart. All right. All right. All right. Do you know questions I was just asking you? Those were the Ten Commandment questions, four of them. All right. So now let's say, Drew, you die. Something terrible happens to you, and you die. You are suddenly standing before this God who is omnipotent, he knows everything, he's creative, he's constant, and he's moral. So he's, he's very moral. In fact, he is the standard of moral. Would God find you innocent or guilty? Good question. It is a good question. It's a hard question. Would God find you innocent or guilty? good question. It is a good question. It's a hard question because I don't like the answer because we know where this is going, don't (laughs) we? Right? All right. So if you and I are guilty, okay, I'll admit it. I'm a guilty criminal. You've admitted you're a guilty criminal. What should God do with guilty criminals if he is moral and holy?
2: Give them chances.
3: Give them chances. All right. Let me reason with you. If you broke four laws on this planet and you were hauled before a judge. Would he give you a chance, or would he simply find you guilty?
2: Definitely find me guilty. Okay,
3: so you're guilty. I'm guilty. We're all guilty, because we all that's the most observable thing about human beings, is that we're all guilty. What should God do with guilty criminals? Take them to heaven to be with him, or send them to a place called hell to receive the payment for the wages that they've earned by breaking his laws?
2: Uh... Like to say heaven.
3: I would too. I would too, because I don't want to go to hell. Are we together on that one too? All right. Do you think it's fair and right and just for this God to send people to hell? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because if you consider if you've only sinned three times a day for ten years, that's the equivalent of ten thousand crimes. But more than that, you just break one law, you're a lawbreaker. Now, you said you've gone to some Bible studies, Drew. Please tell me. I'm horrible at this. Come stuff. on. I'm sorry. What did God do so you don't have to go to hell? Come on.
2: Come on. I'm so mad at this. <laughs> All right.
3: What do you know about Christmas? You get presents. Alrighty, <laughs> you get presents. Yes, sir. You are correct. Welcome to America, twenty-first century. What else do you know about about Christmas? That's. It,
2: I think that that's called birthday. cheating, <laughs> young man.
3: Do you do that in the classroom? I hope not. All right. It was Jesus's birthday. All right. Who's Jesus? God. Why is it a big deal? Two thousand years later. He was the guy that like died on the cross. That's right. He's the guy who died on the cross. This guy, the Bible says, was fully God, fully man. So when you look at Jesus, the human being, you're seeing God in flesh, 100% and 100%. And he died on a cross. Here's the biggie, Drew, and this could be the best thing you hear ever. Why did he do that?
2: Wasn't it to um, help mankind? Something along those lines? In a
3: sense, but let's be more specific.
2: Like, I can't remember the specific. All
3: right. I know, ooh, all right. my life, but. Here's the situation. You're a guilty criminal in God's courtroom. He must punish you because he is just and moral, all right? But God is rich in mercy, and God doesn't take delight in the death of sinners. God loves to forgive, but here's our conundrum. If God simply forgives guilty people, then he's not moral anymore. He's not just anymore. There must be a payment for sins mm-hmm. so now tell me with that information, why did Jesus die on a cross?
2: it was a payment for a sin
3: it's the payment for your sins, true. This is what the Bible says for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life that 's called the gospel that 's the good news of the gospel you 're a guilty criminal, and Jesus died. In your place so that you could be forgiven and not just forgiven, the Bible says all of the good things that Jesus did. He kept all the laws. He never sass mouthed his parents. He always obeyed perfectly. He amassed righteousness. He amassed goodness. And that can be credited to your account. So Drew can be seen not just as a forgiven criminal, but as the righteousness of God adopted into God's family, granted everlasting life because Jesus died for you while you were yet sinning. That's the good news of the gospel. All right. Is it true?
2: Who knows? For 100% for sure. All right. What do you think, Drew? I still need more time. You so still need I, more time. I don't right. think I'm going to make the decision on that today. You, you,
3: uh, I, I can't make you do that anyway. Yeah. But at least I've given you something to think about today, right? You now understand the Christian worldview, right? And here's my last challenge for you. What I just told you is either. Here's the two options. It is either true or it is lunacy, okay? It's, there's nothing in between. It's either This thing, this story is absolutely true, and God died for me because he's good, or it's just a crackpot theory. Don't conclude, well, it's just what the tall, skinny guy believes, so that's good (laughs) for him, it works for him, but that's not my truth. Don't conclude that because it's a definitive, declarative statement. It is either true or false. So as you weigh what we've talked about, don't don't just dismiss it by saying, whatever, that, that belongs to him and his truth and a bunch of other people. Determine if it's true or false, all right? If it's true, God wants to save you, and he's willing to do that, and your life will suddenly make sense, and everything about this planet that you see that is so whacked these days, it's going to make sense to you because you're going to be living the way that God has made you to live. Fair enough?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Drew would have never heard that, if we did not defy popular opinion and go to a university campus and do open air preaching, it can be glorious. People can get saved. Passers-by can be convicted. Christians can be encouraged. Wow, somebody's out here proclaiming the gospel in the open air and ultimately God will be pleased with your efforts that 2,000 years later, if even only the wind is hearing you, his gospel is being proclaimed. This is Wretched Radio.
4: This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Now the following is a very clear representation of the hatred that fills the hearts of so many in our country. Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar tweeted yesterday, "Quotes: the Republican Party supports forcing women to give birth against their will, but opposes providing child care, paid leave or health care. Okay, so look, I'll be up front with you. I am not adequately equipped to hold a debate with anybody regarding taxpayer funded child care or health care. There are plenty of other people more educated on the subject than I. But I will say this. I don't care what you come up with. The solution to not having one thing is not to take the life of an innocent unborn baby. Here's a crazy idea. Instead of blaming someone else for why you can't murder an innocent unborn baby, how about you try being a responsible human and not having sex outside of marriage? If you abstain from the thing that makes you pregnant, you won't get pregnant and Pregnant Man Emoji founder Apple is in the news. After allowing their employees to work remotely for over two years now, they're asking them to return to the office and not even all week, only three days per week. And it's not sitting well with employees. In a letter sent to the company, employees are pushing back, saying a return to the office is a policy that would make Apple quote, younger, whiter, and more male-dominated. The letter goes on to discuss working in an office leads to privileges like bosses being able to decide who can work for Apple. That's usually how that one works. Look, I know pecking order and chain of command are concepts that hurt the feelings of this generation, but who's in charge here? If you work for Apple and you don't like their rules, you don't have to work for them, but there's no company obligated to employ anybody. And the downfall of our society continues. And speaking of woke and ease, okay, that didn't work. I tried to combine woke and company. Okay, it still needs work. But anywho. Amazon. In the news as well, they've announced plans to reimburse U.S. employees who have to travel for abortions. The exact text from the story says, quote, Amazon told employees it will pay up to $4,000 annually in travel expenses for non-life-threatening medical treatments, including abortions. Seriously, I'm not surprised or shocked by what Amazon's doing, but at least be truthful about who you are and what you're paying for. Don't call the murder of an innocent unborn baby a non-life-threatening life-threatening medical treatment. It is life-threatening. It's life-stealing. It's murder. And Amazon's funding it. It's crazy how a person can get years in prison if they cross state lines to rob a bank. But if you want to cross state lines to murder a baby, you get all your expenses covered. Absolutely disgusting. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible.
0: The book of Isaiah is a collection of prophecies given to Isaiah. It can be divided in two parts. Isaiah delivered bad news to Israel and the surrounding nations concerning God's judgment, and he delivered good news of salvation for those who repent. Isaiah also offers detailed prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, who offers eternal salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, I'm tempted to say I
3: told you so. I'm going to give in to that temptation and say, I told you so. This is Wretched Radio. Open air preaching. It has many benefits, not just with the person to whom you are preaching, but the people who are walking by. I was on a soapbox at the University of Georgia doing some open air preaching, engaging a young man named Drew, who was trying to figure some stuff out, tried to reason with him, certainly open up the law, preach the gospel to him, and lo and behold, a woman named Jenna happened to be passing by. For some reason, she was engaged in the conversation, and she heard the entire gospel. And she then stepped to the microphone to continue the conversation. That's the benefit of open-air preaching. It's not just the crowd, as big or small as it may be, that is hearing. People who are passing by can hear something that causes them to go, uh, hey, wait, what? Thank you for stepping up. What's your name?
1: Jenna. Hi.
3: Jenna. Nice to meet you. Where are you from, Jenna?
1: I'm from Decatur, Georgia.
3: Decatur. Very nice place to live, isn't it? It
1: is. What are you studying here? Uh, I'm studying entertainment and media.
3: Entertainment media. So what do you want to do when you're all done with this?
1: I want to be a video editor.
3: A video editor? Mm-hmm. You're studying entertainment to become a video editor. Mm-hmm. Did you hear my conversation that I just had with the young man from Milton? Yeah, I've
1: been listening, yeah.
3: And what do you think about what you've been hearing?
1: Um, I think if there is a God, he's got to be a lot more forgiving than you're giving him credit for.
3: Mm, okay. All right, explain.
1: I think that forgiveness in return for payment is not forgiveness. Okay. You're saying there's a cost for forgiveness, but that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is out of the mercy and goodness of your heart. You say you've sinned against me, right? Mm-hmm. When, when we're supposed to forgive our sinners, right? The, the people who sin against sure. us. Sure, right. We don't only forgive them if they're they come to us and apologize, do we?
3: Well, um, I suspect in order for an actual transaction to take place, that that does need to happen. But let's not quibble over that. Let's stick with the big thought that you've got, which is, God should just forgive everybody. Is that kind of what, where you're at? God should
1: forgive people who are good regardless of whether they believe in him.
3: Okay, so God should forgive good people, mm-hmm. all right? So here's a question. Are there any good people? Yes who is good
1: people who try their hardest to be good every day
3: okay can i try to reason with you on this go for it if we were in a courtroom right and let's just say you had 10 speeding tickets or you've broken a bunch of laws all right all right and you said to the judge but i try hard i'm good you should dismiss my case should he
1: it happens every
3: day well you know corrupt judges and all of that but should he
1: In some cases, yeah. You've heard of jury nullification, haven't you? Heard of what? Jury nullification. It's when someone's guilty of a crime, but people don't, people acquit them anyway because they feel like they shouldn't be punished. Well, there are
3: some circumstances, and I don't even think that I'd argue with you over that. I've got a reason for that. But in general, a judge cannot simply dismiss somebody's case because. The person tries hard. He is sworn to uphold the laws. Mm -hmm. And there's a consequence for law breaking. And a judge can't just wipe the slate clean or he's unjust. And I would suggest to you the same thing is true with God. If God just forgives everybody and lets everybody go because they're trying, he's not just. Okay? So I get your point. Let me go back because I think you've got a very interesting take on this that forgiveness shouldn't be predicated on anything. It should just happen. And I would agree with you if there was no such thing as justice, but God is just, and he's righteous, and he's holy, and he has a settled indignation at sin because it's contrary to his character. He doesn't like it. And the Bible says, the soul that sins, it shall die that everybody will be judged, and God will give every person what they've earned for themselves. So everybody who's broken God's laws will be paid the wage called hell, right?
1: I've heard of that, yes. You've
3: you've heard of hell? Well, it's a reasonable punishment when you consider the amount of crimes that we've committed against God. Because I'm sure you're, I bet you've got friends, I'll bet your family adores you, you're gonna do great in life. (sighs) But you share something in common with me and with everybody else here, and that is you've broken God's laws, all right? So we can kind of clean up good on the outside, but our hearts aren't all that good. So we don't thank God the way that we should. We don't praise him the way that we should. We use his name very lowly and coarsely. Instead of saying a four-letter filth word, we say the name of the one who made us. We don't honor our parents, we steal things that don't belong to us, we desire stuff that other people have. We can be racist, we can be sexist, we can be homophobic, we can do all kinds of wicked things, and we all do. And the Bible says that everybody will be judged and found wanting, okay? Okay. But the Bible says that God is rich in mercy, and he doesn't desire the death of sinners. He prefers that they be forgiven and live. But do you feel the tension in this? And this is kind of resolving the the question that you had. Okay. God wants to forgive, but he can't just say, ah, forget about it. Because that means he's not moral and just himself. And he is. So what, according to the Bible, did God do so that you could be forgiven by God?
1: Uh, He sent his son to die on the cross.
3: Yeah. That's the good news of the gospel. And you said that that it wouldn't be very kind of God if He forgives with there's a payment. He was the payment for your sin. God in flesh died for you so you could be forgiven, so that God could be just and the justifier of those who believe in him. So that, that kind of answers your question.
1: That he paid the payment himself, we just have to accept it.
3: Well, the the specific word is, depends on what you mean by accept, but the specific word is repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as if your life depended on it. Like you put your trust in a parachute, you don't just look at the parachute and say, I trust you. You put it on, right? You must put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So God is good and he demonstrated it by dying for us while we were yet sinners. Is what I'm saying true?
1: I have no way of knowing that.
3: Fair enough. All right, do you think that there could be a way to know it?
1: If you show me, then sure, but I sincerely doubt it.
3: All right. If I said to you, the president lives in the White House, and I was gonna prove it to you, all right? This isn't a political thing, I'm just using this as an illustration. If I said the president lives in the White House, right. I could take you to the White House lawn, look in the windows, and when you saw the president in there with his robe and slippers having breakfast, you would you would conclude, yeah, the guy lives here. Yeah. I have shown you that the president lives in the White House by bringing you to the White House and showing you the president lives there. I believe the Bible is axiomatic. It's self-proving. If you look at it, you can only have one conclusion. God wrote a book and here 's how I would how I would lay that out for you and I, i'm 'm truly grateful that you've asked so thank you for your indulging me on this do you remember the first story in the Bible about Adam and Eve yes there was a river two trees and they were two naked vegetarians right sure. and they were because they didn't understand shame because everything was perfect but God said one rule don't eat that fruit she ate the fruit he was with the whole world fell into sin, okay? All right. Do you remember what happened immediately after they fell into sin? No. They realized they were naked and they were ashamed. So they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves, but God did something really radical. The first time an animal was killed, God killed an animal for skins to cover up the human shame, okay? Okay. That's a fuzzy picture of something, all right? Do you remember the story of abraham and isaac remember this one yes god tells abraham to kill his son kind of a wild story right right so he takes isaac to go walking up a hill and on his way the son is carrying the wood for the sacrifice and the son asks father where's the lamb and abraham says god will provide the lamb and just as abraham is prepared to kill his only begotten son god says stop And there's no lamb provided, but there was a ram in the thicket that God provided, as if to suspend the tension about the lamb that was going to be provided by God. The next time we visit that very same mountain, a beloved father killed his beloved son. That's the same hill on which God the Father killed Jesus Christ on your behalf. Because Abraham and Isaac, that was a fuzzy picture of the good news of the gospel. There were lamb sacrifices all throughout the Old Testament, constantly killing lambs, the shedding of blood, not for the forgiveness, but for the covering of sins. And every time a lamb's blood was shed, it was to point toward a need for a greater lamb sacrifice. Time out. Sorry, got to put the brakes on that one. We'll continue our conversation with Jenna, who was a passerby who heard me talking about forgiveness of sins predicated on the Lord Jesus Christ, thinking, well, it doesn't seem fair. God should just forgive. But that is to overlook a really key component, justice. If God just forgives without a payment for the sin, he is not a just God. Therefore, there must be a payment for crimes that are committed against him. Tried to reason with Jenna, Also, I hope to persuade you and demonstrate to you open-air preaching can be persuasive without being ugly. We'll continue with Jenna next on Wretched Radio. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound, she just wept uncontrollably; couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, she saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound when it Woman in crisis sees her baby. Eighty percent of the time, she chooses life. For just twenty-eight dollars, you could provide one of those ultrasounds. But I would ask you, how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide? The more ultrasounds, the more saved babies. Please consider what you can do at preborn.org/slash/wretched. slash wretched
4: what's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you.
2: Wretched Radio is just really brought me closer. God, Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives.
4: Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged.
3: My life will Never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord.
4: And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate.
3: The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive The bare necessities? I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There
2: just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support.
3: Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
0: A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in Scripture is narrative. Narratives tell us of real events with real people in real places at a real time. Not everything we read in narratives is condoned by God, but everything we read is part of God working out His plan for the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
3: Not sure this is going to tickle your fancy, but it sure does. Tickle mine, this is, I don't know what that means exactly. Nevertheless, this is Wretched Radio on a Witness Wednesday in the middle of some open-air preaching with a young woman named Jenna. She was a passerby hearing me preach the gospel, and she came to the microphone, politely, sharing her laments, her reasons for rejecting the good news that Jesus died for sinners. And I have to tell you, this just brings me great joy to hear the conversation that I had with her. Please note, It isn't about politics. It isn't about evolution, Big Bang cosmology, social issues. None of that. This was an open-air conversation with other people listening to us talk about the thing that open-air preaching needs to be about. I've seen some awful open-air preaching. People getting up and yelling at people, berating people. Never even coming close to saying anything that might encourage them to repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ. I've also seen some open-air preaching that's nice and polite, but it doesn't ever talk about the gospel. Uh, These things are good if you want to get up and you want to talk about social issues and a Christian perspective. Okay, but what if somebody who hears it, maybe they're even persuaded to thinking the way you think about something in particular, but they die and go to hell. So you want it to be about the gospel, and it can gather a crowd. It can retain interest. It can cause somebody to go, what are they talking about? It doesn't need to be snarky. It doesn't need to be angry. It doesn't need to be pot-shoddy. You can have a gentle tone, but the concept of Jesus Christ being the exclusive way, let me tell you, that's agitating enough. For somebody like Jenna to stop and engage in a conversation, let's pick it up with Jenna. Here's a quote from the Bible. I'm paraphrasing, all right? right. There was a man who was so beaten, we couldn't even tell he was a human being. And like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, we thought it was for his sins, but it was actually for the sins of his people. Do you know what book of the Bible that comes from? No. Isaiah. That was written 700 years before John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All of those Old Testament stories about death and blood being shed for the covering of sins were all pointing to Jesus Christ. There's one story in the Bible. It's the story of redemption of Jesus Christ. That book was written over the course of 1400 years mm-hmm. by over 40 different authors 66 books one story watch c-span congress can't agree on everything these writers agreed on one thing that jesus christ god's son died for sinners i would suggest to you jenna that's the proof that the bible is supernatural men wouldn't concoct that story every other religion is about works about doing stuff to appease the wrath of god This message that I'm sharing with you today announces grace, grace, God's grace. He will forgive you completely if you put your trust in his son. This is the good news of the gospel. It is the only story like it, and the Bible proves that it's true. There. I just preached at you. All right. Give me your response.
1: It's a lot to respond to. Go ahead. You said every other religion on earth is about appeasing the wrath of God, but there are hundreds of religions that don't have a God at all. There's a thousand different ways to live a good life. And the fact that there are, that you're saying that there's the one God and there's the only way to make it to heaven is to believe in Him and Him alone and to do everything that He wants you to do, is, it's closed-minded in terms of what other people's life experience and beliefs are. I mean, the fact that you can only make it to heaven and then otherwise you'll be tortured for eternity is the only way to make it to heaven and not be tortured for eternity is to somehow know about the Bible like and to believe in it above what you've been raised to think or if it's the first religion you've ever encountered to somehow know that it should be true it's it's not a fair burden of proof there is you're saying that the Bible is you know its own proof, but that's that's not how proof works. It's it's, it has to be some kind of outside evidence. You were asking for a scientist earlier, and I'm you, sure you that, want a
3: scientific proof.
1: <laughs> I don't. Huh? I want something that. Anything that isn't from its own text, that's it, one text cannot prove that itself is true.
3: Sure, it can. Just like I can show you the president lives in the White House by taking you to the White House. If I shared a book with you, you'd could be you have to have some criteria to conclude whether that book is speaking the truth or not. The Bible proves itself to be true. If I could, let me just respond to what I think is your main thrust here. It doesn't seem nice that God is saying he's right, everything else is wrong. Is that pretty fair?
1: It doesn't seem right that we're supposed to conclude that from, you say it's Ample evidence, but you already believe it. So the evidence is going to seem ample.
3: Well, I didn't always believe it. And I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And this isn't, I just don't believe this because I live in America. This is actually a religion from Israel. If what I said to you is true, that God created a world, sent his son, organized all the events to send his son to live at just the right time to redeem you from the curse of the law, and he bruised his own son on a cross as a payment for your sins now if that's true don't you think it's fair for god to say i expect to be the one who is recognized because i'm the only true god and i demonstrated my love by dying for you a sinner wouldn't it be right for god to say reject everything that's false believe in the best thing the true thing wouldn't that be fair of him
1: not if he doesn't give me a way to discern that from every other religion that claims the exact same thing.
3: Well, again, every other religion, you didn't like my phrasing about every other religion saying they've got to appease the wrath of God. Every religion teaches do good to perhaps be rewarded in the next life. Fair enough? Right. Christianity doesn't teach that. Christianity says something very offensive. You're not good. You do not deserve good things in the afterlife. You deserve wrath. But Jesus is rich in mercy. He saves to the uttermost. He forgives sinners because he died for them. All right? That's called grace alone. These are all works systems. That should turn your attention to this unique claim. Christianity stands alone from every other system that says, try hard and be rewarded. This says, surrender. Put your trust in Jesus and you will be forgiven because of Christ that's why i believe it's true
1: i understand
3: right so my here's my question all right i'll just i'll just say one declarative sentence sure. all right and then you're going to tell me if you think i'm wrong or not okay. okay i believe that jesus christ is the only true and living god and the people who repent and put their trust in him will have their sins forgiven and be granted everlasting life everybody else Will pay their own penalty for their crimes against God in a place called hell. That is a statement of fact I'm making. Am I wrong?:
1: I think so, yes.
3: Wow, can I just tell you that's really a breath of fresh? I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not happy to disagree, but thanks for not being postmodern, because you know, typically what somebody would say is, well, that's just your truth, and if it's valid for you. Then you disbelieve. So I'm just glad you said that I was wrong. All right.
1: Well, that's a better reaction than I expected. No, I'm
3: really glad. (laughs) I mean, I'm not glad because I truly believe what I said to you.
1: Now you're worried I'm going to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah, Which is
3: actually why we came here today. Because we are worried. Yeah, we are worried. Right let me reason with you one more time okay that courtroom in your brain your conscience Mm -hmm. that says I have not done right I have not been doing good things what religion takes care of your guilt problem nothing but one the gospel of Jesus Christ your guilt can be gone it can you can be made white as snow you can be totally forgiven that's the good news of the gospel. So I don't right. think we're going to agree today, but here's, here's the thought that I'd like to kind of keep ringing in your head. Sure. Christianity is unique, okay? And if there ever comes a day when that conscience of yours starts to kind of nag or maybe you kind of come to the end of yourself, things maybe go completely kafritz, and you're trying to figure out what, what's the re- deal, what is going on, what's the purpose of all of this, remember this conversation and that God is good and that he'd like to adopt you as his daughter into his family. And he will if you repent and put your trust in him. Just, just try to remember that if you could. And
1: I'm sure I will.
3: I'd be grateful. Well, let's hope she did. Question Was that ugly? No, actually, to Jen, it was. Because, <laughs> hey, this Jesus being the only way business, it is offensive. Telling me I can't get there myself, that is an offense, that is a stumbling block. Indeed it is, but that doesn't mean you need to be, and that doesn't mean that open-air preachers need to be nasty. Perhaps, just perhaps, you will give a second hearing to the concept of open-air preaching. Perhaps you have the skill to do it. You've got the gifting to do it yourself. Perhaps your church is located next to a university campus, and you could go there every week and stand on a soapbox and declare to anyone who will hear, and that is anybody within earshot, whether they stop or not, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Hmm? What do you say? Until tomorrow, go serve your King.